Hello, my friend. Dude, I, I feel like I just saw you like three days ago. <laughs> I was going to start it off by saying that I miss you already, but I didn't want to get too sentimental. <laughs> yeah, uh, that was, was fun. Kinda thinking, I was kind of thinking I could stand to use a break from you, but here we are. <laughs> you can't get away. Found <laughs> in blood. Um, you know, it might be kind of interesting for you to talk about um, your experience in the studio this, this last week because they're always hearing me ramble on about it, so... Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was great. First off, the trip started on a really good note because I had a direct flight. So previously, oh, yeah. anytime I, I go out there, um, I roll in at like midnight the night before I'm supposed to do something. So I'm super tired, but we we were able to get, get some, some decent rest uh, the night before I had to work in the studio. And um, the I can say that I think all of the practice and stuff that I mentioned last week and all the preparation that I had been doing seemed to have paid off. Like, um, in general, I felt like the tracking session of this stuff that we did versus, um, the, the previous stuff that we did, it all just seemed a little bit smoother and we were doing less like learning the parts and more just like fine tuning things and making Mm -hmm. everything polished and, um, and, I don't know. It's like when when you when you get all the 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 basis down, like you come in with all that stuff figured out already, then the stuff that you're spending your time on is like the extra 10% to make it really good versus like if you're spending the time learning the part or whatever uh, when you're there, then you don't have the time to you you basically get like 80% there, right? Because you don't have the mm. time to get it like really be as picky as we were. Like we were we took a probably a hundred takes of every part and it was Mm -hmm. it was to the level of like okay your snare needs to be louder but your hi-hat needs to be quieter and like just Mm -hmm. all these little small tweaks as opposed to like um large scale stuff so that it was fun it was a it was a really fun challenge um i kept telling people that i felt as mentally taxed after especially after thursday um as i would just like a full day at my regular Mm -hmm. job because when you say that you're going to work in the studio I think people assume that that means you're just going to go like jam out for a day like Mm -hmm. they 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 equate that experience to like playing how you would play at a show where it's just kind of like you leave it all out on the table and move on Mm -hmm. um but it's it's very much like a it's not as much of a like emotional creative experience as it is at least for me as it is like a analytical like um, detail oriented experience so um it was definitely work but it was it was really fun work so yeah um, that's really that's really interesting what you said at the end there about recording versus the live show because I, I don't I don't ever really think about that you know what I mean when I'm in the studio if I'm tracking an acoustic part or something the strum patterns, I mean, we'll redo, like you said, we'll do 100 takes just so that the strum pattern is right on with whatever, you know. But when I'm playing live, when I'm recording acoustic and singing, I'm doing them at, well, not recording. When I'm playing acoustic and singing, I'm doing them at the same time. And mm-hmm. when I record in the studio, those are usually nine times out of ten are separate. So when you're right. playing live, people aren't going to be like, oh, his strum pattern is off. Like he's not hitting 
the three at the same time as the kick or the snare or whatever, you know? Right. And I never really think about that when I'm playing live. For me, it's more about getting the vocals right and like singing the right pitches and stuff, you know? That's really interesting. Um, but yeah, it was awesome. It was great having you here. I feel like the word awesome is overused. I really enjoyed <laughs> yeah. having you here, and so did everyone that was here because you practiced for weeks leading up to this. So even though there were a few changes last minute, which is to be expected when you're working with me, you know that already, but um, <laughs> right, you adapted. And Justin Abel is a, a drummer at heart also. So you two working together is probably the most critical anyone is in the studio. Mm, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, he told me from the get-go, he's like, I'm going to be really, really nitpicky and anal about everything this mm -hmm. week. So just I'm preparing you. And I was like, dude, that's that's kind of my jam. Like I I really don't get down with people that don't care about details. Yeah. You know, like as as frustrating as it can be and like, kind of obnoxious as working with working with people that are really anal can be at in the end it's almost always better than the alternative right and i i mean that just like in general like people that don't care about the way they look people that don't care about you know just like getting getting the little things right um i can pretty much take or leave them but uh, mm -hmm. people that are really really focused in on things and care a lot like I'd rather butt heads with someone who's passionate and um, not to say that Justin and I butted heads. I'm just saying in general, I'd rather butt heads with someone that gives a damn than butt heads with someone that is like lazy and just yeah. arrogant or whatever, you know? So, yeah. um, but all that to say, like there was no, there was really no disagreement or anything. Um, it was just like a really smooth process and mm -hmm. I felt like everyone was on the same page and, and we all had a good idea of what, what the expectations were going in. So that helped a lot too. Another um, interesting thing that you brought up when you were talking about your time in here was that um, you were just as worn out after a day of doing that as you would be at your normal job, you know? Yeah. And I've been thinking about that a lot and thinking about how that kind of factors into my contentment or my enjoyment of my job because mm. some people might define a good job as not having to work too hard and really enjoying it and you get to the mm -hmm. end of the day and you are fulfilled but I've realized that for me I want that mental exhaustion at kind of a base level that's mm. you know whether that's right or wrong, fundamentally, I want to, when I put my head down on the pillow, I want to have nothing left. That's really the only way I sleep because yeah. I won't if I don't feel like, you know, like today is a, we're done recording, um, which is cool to say. I, that's why I love this podcast because I feel like we can give the behind the scenes on anything. And you right. know what I mean? Like we haven't mm -hmm. said that with Talbot Brothers that we're technically done and we might come back in and do um, stuff as we listen to the record as we go. But um, like today, right. I spent all day, it was kind of my first day back without doing rehearsals for shows coming up 
where we didn't have a rehearsal and I got up and it was like, there's no way I'm just going to play video games all day. Like I thought maybe I would, <laughs> but I, yeah. I got up and did my thing. I did my workout. I made breakfast and then I started in on getting ready for these shows, like packing up everything and going through equipment mm. and same with Nick too. Um, but yeah, I think there is that misconception about a job as well. A lot of people say, well, I'm not content at my job because I spend nine to five here all day and I feel like I'm only working for like half of the day, you know, and you gas right. out. But then, well, what if I was a musician, you know, and I was playing shows and all this and that sounds amazing, right? But um, I'm not content either. It's it's amount it's amount of work, but it's also you gotta enjoy it, like you talked about. And I would and I would say any job where you're like playing an instrument for eight hours or nine hours a day, which is what you did. That's what I wanted to bring up too. Is when Nick and I are in the studio, we're sort of splitting the time, um, mm. and sometimes not. You know, sometimes it'll be a whole day of me or him. But uh, you basically had two consecutive work days of just you. And yeah. um, as you could tell when you were here, Nick and I took the opportunity to like get other things done and like fly around, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's like how little yeah, well, we I'm weren't there. I'm, I'm glad that you did based on the conversation we had the previous week. I, I would have felt guilty knowing that you guys were putting a bunch of stuff on hold just to sit on the couch and watch me play. Yeah, like it, you know, which was fun because I kind of did because I was doing my work stuff too, and um, in the same room that you were tracking, I had my in ears in, so it wasn't too loud, but I could still hear the parts. And then you'd go in and listen to them in the console room after you did your takes and and mm -hmm. whatever, and it was it was really great. But um, yeah, just going back to that that thing about uh you, you know it's just a, a job i've worked those jobs before where i felt like the clock just could not run out you know yeah contentment's kind of a fickle it's kind of a fickle mistress right like people mm -hmm. always we've talked about this before but people always use that phrase like if you're doing something you love you'll never work a day in your life I, mm -hmm. like <laughs> i think that's one of those that's one of those really dangerous sort of turns of phrase that people tell you when you're young because yeah. it sets you up to have these really unrealistic expectations of what work looks like. Like mm -hmm. you can do something that's really fulfilling or really engaging um, and something that you love, but still just wears you out, you know, mm -hmm. and, and every, every job, every career has parts of it that you're not going to like. So when people when people tell you do something you love because you'll never work a day in your life or you'll it it almost makes it seem like you'll never have a bad day or you'll never be frustrated yeah. and that is just not realistic like i mean i i was for those two days doing the thing that i love to do the most on this planet which is play music mm -hmm. you know and i was getting paid to do it and i you know i was like that it, that was my job for two days mm -hmm. and there were parts of those days where I was really frustrated, where I was, mm -hmm. you know, not super having a good time. But at the end of the day, like, I was really fulfilled and um, engaged in what I was doing, you know? So, like, yes. I don't know. Like, and the flip side of that coin is I, 
all the time that I had spent rehearsing and practicing and learning the parts. And it was kind of this interesting workflow because typically, like when we play live shows together, um, especially if it's a song that wasn't recorded as like a full band song, I will pretty much write the drum part and play Mm -hmm. what my ear hears for that part. Yeah. But for this, because, you know, we were short on time and, um, you know, just the nature of how everything went, Justin being the producer on the album, it was his responsibility to, to write a lot of that auxiliary stuff. Like that's what a producer is there for. So a lot of it was me learning parts that someone else wrote, which was, I kind of do that when you like learn a song, like just a song that you want to play along with. Right. But very seldom do I sit down and like chart out a part and like note for note, learn it and slow it down and all this. And that experience alone was not, not fun because mm-hmm. of how humbling it was. Like, cause to me, there were parts where I was like, I would play it this way. And it, you know, it's, it's never until I step away from the kit and kind of chart things out and like really try to listen to what's going on to the other parts that I understand why it was written the way it was. But for like those, mm-hmm. those like four or five weeks leading up to the studio time that I was practicing, a lot of that was spent in frustration and in like, I don't know, like what this is going to look like when I show up. Am I, mm-hmm. I going to have any input or am I going to just like be botching this whole thing or what's going on? And mm-hmm. so even though I was spending the time doing something that I love to do. And, you know, I've, I've always kind of fantasized over, um, like spending my free time practicing drums, right. Or like having a reason to be practicing, even though that was something that I held on such a high standard in life, there was a lot of days of it that I didn't enjoy it, Mm -hmm. you know, or that Mm -hmm. I was frustrated or it was, it was work to me. Um, but it's, it's the, the difference of it is like, I could have been, you know, I don't want to say anything to offend someone, but you know, just doing, doing some job that I hate with that time. Like I could have been driving Uber or something just to like Mm -hmm. make ends meet or just like to fill some time. People pick up jobs to like fill time. Um, Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, even though it was work to me, I felt fulfilled in knowing that it was going to be part of a, a project, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I think I feel that way going into the studio every time. And, you know, one of the hard parts about having you come in and play is the studio is all the way out here and you live in Kansas, right? Right. So, yeah. But it's still good because we're communicating up until and all that and sending files back and forth. But um, a difficult thing you know, I think about with you learning your parts or like wanting input on parts is you might only have 48 hours, right? Yeah. To to do that and give that input. And um, where Nick and I have been in here for six and a half weeks now, um, if we want an acoustic part that I'm going to play on a song, we will sit in the console room and talk about what we need for 10 minutes. And then I'll come yeah. in here and just take a whack at it 50 times. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> right. And that, yeah. that's different. It, it's also different because your part is a little more, um, you know, with these new songs, there has not been any part that Nick and I have done instrumentally other than maybe Nick's 
um, you know, a guitar solo here and there. Mm. Um, that has been like absolutely crucial to the composition of the song. And I don't mean to mm. downplay anything that we did, but when you're talking about something like a drum part, people, I'm, I'll speak personally, when I listen to a song, I tend to listen to the vocals or the lyrics and the drum part. And I am, yeah. I love guitars and piano and all that. But all that stuff to me could kind of do anything as long as it's interesting and I'm not going to yeah. be zeroed in on it. <clears throat> so yeah. that that's a hard part about what you do and your instrument is um, coming in and, uh, and doing that in, in such a short time and feeling like you're inputting still. And I, I mm. feel the same way, even if I'm spending all day doing, you know, using two different guitars and just adding little parts into every song, I feel super, super fulfilled. But same thing, mentally exhausted by the end of the day. And none of my friends or, you know, my wife, no one gets that, you know? And, right. and, and when I say she doesn't get it, I don't mean like, I mean, she does by now. But I'm saying it's hard for her because they need your social life asks something of you also and when mm. you're in a job that you really love it's what you mentioned earlier people outside of you and the people that you're working with on the project will see it as something that you enjoy mm. you know and it's a confusing thing because I have whiskey before I do a vocal part and stuff. I'm like, so yeah, I must really be enjoying myself, right? Well, the reason I do that is because I got to bring myself down, remove inhibitions, and get completely into the idea of the song. And the hardest right. part for me is when Nick has written the lyrics to the song and I got to come in. Mm. I shouldn't say I have to. I come in and do vocals on a song that he has written the majority of. I have to get into his headspace. Before right. before the song is even released, it's just parts. I got to connect with it in a way that nobody probably has yet. So, right. um yeah, I totally get, I totally get what you're saying like on the outside looking in, most people would be like, "Well, you're just I mean, you're having a great time playing music. What? Like, why are you gassed?" Like especially in my case where it's not my primary living where like I've had some tension in some of my, my personal relationships re recently mm. um, because I have declined invitations to go hang out like on a happy hour or something during the week, things that I would normally love to do. Um, the past like two months I've declined a lot of those things just because I knew I had to spend time practicing because, you know, I only have, my window of being able to practice is pretty short um, before I start to be really obnoxious to all my neighbors and mm. also before I just completely run out of bandwidth. Like, yeah. I learned that playing drums immediately after a eight-hour workday of engineering work is pretty, like, I've pretty much used up all of my my bandwidth mm. by, that by that time. So, um, but when I was telling, when I would explain to my friends, like, no, I just really don't have time this week because I have to practice these songs. And, you know, any free time that I have, I just really need to recharge because I'm going to be drained. They, mm. 
I could tell they were trying to understand, but also didn't because in, in their minds, like when I say I'm practicing, I'm just like throwing on a song and playing along and having a great time because to most people, playing music is just like a thing you do as a hobby, right? Like you just um, sit down and strum the guitar after work or like sit down and play drums on the weekends or whatever. And and for us, I mean, for you especially, but... Um, you know, for us collectively, it's a, it's a way more serious endeavor. And for me, as someone that also has another job, a lot of people in my circle, like don't really, don't really make that connection Mm. because it's, it's not my full-time thing, but yeah. um, Not even to get into another subject. I think it's along these lines, but it's interesting kind of what you're talking about right now is sort of this split between the day job and the night job. And I think there are enough people that have this situation going on in their lives where it might be worth talking about. And I think you would probably be the best person that I know to talk about it because you're, you're actually someone who gives a damn about their night job and it's not just for fun, you know, not to discount people that are writing poetry or painting or making music after work every day and all that, you know, but you don't you give maximum effort at your day job and you also give maximum effort at your night job and it's just about you splitting that time apart and i think it mm. would be really interesting to hear you talk about that because i remember when i was doing um you know during the pandemic when i was working that job i went to work at 8 and was done at five, but I still had the drive, maybe even more so to come home and make music at the end of the day, because I was looking for some kind of mental escape from my Mm. day job. And the music was something I had control over where someone, someone else wasn't telling me what to do all day long, you know? Right. I wonder if, uh, with, with giving respect to both sides of it, from your perspective, if you could Mm. talk about that. Yeah. It's an interesting thing because, I mean, there's like, there's one whole category of people in this world that do a lot of jobs because they have to, right? And I am in a very fortunate position in life to where I do a lot of jobs that I want to do, you know? So I, I'm not, um, completely blind to that, that I have a really good situation in life with like a great day job that is something I'm passionate about and that I is mentally stimulating to me. And then I also have these side projects um, outside of that, that are equally, that I'm equally or more passionate about and also stimulated by. So Yeah, it's kind of, it's not like I'm taking on extra jobs at night because I feel like I need to make ends meet or something. It's like I, I have a problem, I would actually say, of not being able to do anything just for the hell of it. Mm -hmm. Um, Like my, my career as an engineer is extremely demanding mentally and emotionally for me because just how I'm wired and how I kind of emotionally attach to tasks and projects and things. But 
Like I've been, this podcast that we are on right now is the third podcast I've ever started. Mm. Like for some reason, I just have this like passion for making podcasts and having conversations with my friends and stuff. Mm. Like I can't, and the fact that we carve out time every week and like schedule it out and like put time into the social media aspect and all this stuff, like there's... Dude, there are th- millions of people that have podcasts that they just like get drunk and talk with a microphone in front of them once a right. month, right? Right. And but like the way terrible. that we, <laughs> when I've ex- when I've explained, not just this podcast, but all of my other podcasts that have kind of come and gone, uh, when I explain that to people, it 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 kind of is jarring to them to hear us hear me talk about it in a way that's not just like, oh yeah, we just kind of like hit record and like shoot the shit and don't really care what Mm -hmm. happens. Like I think people have this idea that if you're not Joe Rogan, then podcasting is just like a a joke. Right. And Mm -hmm. we have a small following, but it's, it's growing and we have an engaged and passionate following. And I'm super proud of that, you know, Mm -hmm. and the music thing too, like I, I started playing music when I was in elementary school, just like taking guitar lessons. And I pretty much knew right away that I was never going to not be able to do that in some capacity and just, Mm -hmm. just be okay. Like my, my involvement in music has taken a lot of different forms. Like I used to just play guitar and then I started to want to play drums and, you know, I don't really play guitar as much anymore, but now I'm starting to again and I've like started writing and you know, whatever. But as soon as I started playing in a band, I kind of knew I was screwed <laughs> for the, the mm-hmm. rest of my life because um, especially like a band like we have where it's not just like we play um, covers at the bars every night. Like yeah. it's a pat, like a very passionate, you know, kind of uh, the songs are written about important things and like important things in all of our lives. And um, that's not something that I... could easily just like walk away from, you know? And I, I remember having a lot of anxiety about that, um, when I was in college and even after like wondering if there was even ever going to be a way that we could make it work such that I was still involved because of how you guys were taken up, like getting momentum and, um, playing a lot of shows a year and all this. Like I, I, I was afraid at one point that I was going to have to like say goodbye to that and kind of just like let it go. Um, and I'm really glad that that hasn't happened, that mm-hmm. we've always kind of found a way to stay, stay involved. And like, I don't know if it's because of me specifically, but I mean, I am lucky because the way you guys so far have structured your business has kind of allowed you to have like multiple configurations of your band. Mm. Um, and then also all the duo stuff. So it's kind of worked out in my favor <laughs> that you guys have yeah. kind of gone that w- that way so far. But, um, yeah. all that to say is like, I, it's, it's super hard for me to like walk away from any one thing because mm. kind of like I talked about in last week's episode, like I value my time so much that I only choose to spend it on things that are important to me mm. that I like. And I, I sent you guys a text like, uh, Monday, I think just reminding or just, I don't know, wanting to make sure that you guys understood that I don't take any of this lightly, mm-hmm. you know, and like the time and the energy that it took for, um, 
you guys to have me out in the studio and just like anytime we get to play together, like it, it really is something that I'm super passionate about and really happy to be able to do. So, um, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I say it's a problem sometimes because it, (laughs) like it takes a lot, a lot of my emotion to be who I am. Like I, I spend a lot of emotional energy on my day job and then I spend more of that energy after that doing music or, or whatever. Um, so it's hard for me to have anything left for other people or, or anything else even. That's what I appreciate about having you um, a part of what we do. A big part of what we do is that uh, you you appreciate it, but also that you're going to bring that dedication that you bring to anything into this job. And... Um, I'm the same way. If I'm doing something, I'm going to be giving more than... I'm giving whatever I have left to that job. And Mm. uh, even if it's something I don't want to do, like with this job, there's a ton of stuff I don't want to do. I don't want to drive for hours on end. Um, I like to be the driver because I feel like when I'm in the backseat, I get car sick. So that helps Mm. anybody that's riding with me. It relieves them of the responsibility to drive but um you know it's i'm the same way i want to give everything i have in everything i do because i want it to matter not just to me but to the people that are consuming the product of whatever i do and uh, something i think about every day there there are probably There are probably a few things in my life that I could not focus on anymore and it would be fine because they are not absolutely constructive. But it's something you talked about too earlier in what you were talking about was that you knew that you were going to be involved in music in some way for the rest of your life. Um, And running is one of those things for me. I remember telling my running coach a few years after I graduated from high school and um, I wasn't running competitively or anything, he said, well, you'll come back. And I remember thinking, probably not because running Mm. sucks and I got a lot of stuff going on, you know. And, Mm. And then I remember when it was when I started working that job last year, um, I just ran every night after work, no matter what, I'd get home, no matter how tired I was or how worn out. Um, And it was an active job. I mean, I was climbing around farm equipment all day long, but I just, the running was, like I mentioned earlier, something that I was in control of. And um, I could go as far as I wanted, run as fast as I wanted. And Mm. um, it that's a thing too about Nebraska where I was working is the sunsets and stuff were amazing. So I would take that time to just kind of recharge for me. And, you know, I'd get off work Mm. at five and I'd probably be done running by six or shortly after. And then we'd make dinner or have dinner or whatever. Um, But it was, it, there are those things in your life that you're always going to come back to because they impact you in some way. You know, I've talked right. about it before on the pod, but my music director in high school was 
instrumental in um, cultivating that for us because he told us, you guys could do music for a living. We played a wedding um, in our hometown after we had both graduated high school. Nick and I played a wedding, acoustic guitars, sang, whatever. Mm -hmm. And uh, our music director was there, and he came up and grabbed us after we got after the wedding was over and said, if you guys want to do music for a living, I just want you to know that you are 100% capable of doing it. And it mm. was a huge thing. And, um, you know, my dad would even say so now because he comes from, you know, we should start a spinoff podcast where we just talk about our dads. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> he yeah. comes from the life of hard knocks and you, you, you have to be punching in somewhere and grinding down to the bone at something that you might not necessarily like for your family and for your future. And yeah. I remember after our choir director told us that and we told that to our parents, our dad was super frustrated because he felt mm. like that's not the right advice I want to be giving my sons. I want them to go into the workforce and start working hard and 401k health insurance, you know, yeah. Yeah. And, su and it's, there's nothing wrong with what he was thinking. He was thinking about us and yeah. just the problem with that is that what my music director told me sat in the back of my mind for like two years. And I, yeah. I kept telling myself, if the guy that I respect the most in music and has the best ability that I know of, to do anything like our music director was the kind of guy i mean he'd teach us during lessons during class um super critical and and really good at it but then there'd be after lunch sometimes me and a few guys would just go jump on instruments in the band room and just jam yeah like i'd grab my guitar <laughs> someone played yeah, drums. I remember that yeah yep. and and uh my music director came in one day after lunch yeah like during free time and just jumped on the keyboard and just played the most like annihilating piano part that I've ever heard. Like while nice. we were just, we lost our minds. But anyways, that's, that's who this guy was, like someone I truly respected. And he told us we mm -hmm. could do it. So that's when I realized I was, if I didn't do music, which when I went to college, um, have I told that story before on the pod? I don't think so. Okay. Well, I'll tell it. I'll try to tell the short version, which most people know is not possible with me, but I'll try. Um, <laughs> so I put all my eggs in one basket and applied for the music college at UNL. And I didn't apply to any other colleges because it, the um, tryout that I did went so well. I was trying out for vocal performance. It went so well. Um, I got really good response from the directors and stuff at the college. And then uh, as the school year ended, my senior high school ended, um, they sent out letters from the music college to let you know if you made it or not, whatever. And mm. the first line that I read when I opened up that envelope was, we regret to inform you, you know? Mm -hmm. And I was just like, oh, damn, I have no idea what I'm, what am I going to do? Well, I hadn't applied yeah. to any other colleges and it sort of felt too late. And I was like, I, I, UNL will probably be, be cool either way. You know, the biggest yeah. university in the state. And um, so I went 
to UNL and I studied English for, uh, it was a full semester. And I enjoyed it because I was taking like extracurriculars and English was good for me because I was working on my writing and stuff like mm. that. And prose was never something that I had spent any time on. I was always like an AB, AB rhyme guy. So right. get, getting into those classes where I was like writing full-on stories or, you know, even poems that didn't rhyme was very uncomfortable. Mm. <laughs> but Wow, um, that's in, that's interesting though because that that's a lot more of your writing style now. Yeah. Especially on like the stuff that we did recently, like mm-hmm. um, the one song about when the world ended is literally just I would dude, I was so impressed how that song, how the writing on that song came out after that conversation we had on this podcast. I was like, I don't know what he's how he's gonna pull this off, and yeah, it's this so dude's good, crazy. Like, yeah, <laughs> Thanks, man. No, that's yeah, interesting. I appreciate that, but um, I liked that, and so then I. Uh, that semester was ending and we were going home for a winter break or whatever happened in college, I don't remember. But right before winter break, I went into the music college um, just to talk to whoever I could talk to about possibly joining in the music school for the next semester. Mm. And uh, I went into the dean's office and the secretary or or his assistant, the dean's assistant, called him over the speakerphone and said, I have a Tyler Talbot here. Um, He's interested in joining the music school next semester. And the guy came like bursting out of his office and Mm. was like, I remember your audition. I was in there. He introduced himself and he Mm. was like, it was great. We were full on tenors and the letter that we send out to people, the rejection letter is the same. I mean, we don't have a letter for there's no more room. Yeah. It's just a rejection letter, right? Mm. And I was like, you, you all should get one that tells yeah. people <laughs> it's full. Right. Because, um, but anyways, he, he was like, um, he talked to his assist- assistant and he was like, um, Starting next semester, if you want to, I already know we'll get everything set up. You come back in and we'll get you square on uh, in the music school. And so then I was like, I walked out of there. My first reaction was like, yeah, damn, finally. Like it right. was, I was so happy. But But then the other part of me was kind of like, I became overwhelmed with the thought that I had sort of started to play in this band with my brother mm. back in Kearney, and it was going really well. That was taking up most of my weekends. I'd get off class um, on Friday afternoon, or sometimes I would skip some of them and drive to Kearney, set up and play a show there or in the surrounding area. Um, like a lot of weekends that was happening. We also decided we wanted to record an album. So that mm-hmm. was happening at the same time. So I felt this big tear. Um, and the validation I got from being able to be in the music college was a lot for me to mm. take back to Talbot Brothers and what we were doing. Um, I think I had in the back of my mind that I might not be good enough to do that for a living because I didn't mm-hmm. get into like a Nebraska University music college. Right. And um, once they told me I was in, 
I kind of felt like a superhero. And I thought, if I can take this ambition that I have for doing this for a living back to what I already have cultivated in our band and, you know, obviously no business plans or anything like that. Right. I mean, you know, we we paid cash in the alley after the show, you know what I mean, to everybody <laughs> right, that played right. with us. And um, so it, I, I took, I just started telling myself if I stick this semester out and I enjoy it, then I'm going to stay here. And if I feel like I'm getting pulled to do the band thing, well, then I'll just take a year off. Mm. And never take a year off when you're in college. (laughs) Yeah, that's the worst thing ever. Because once I took that summer, I was working another job in Kearney and we started playing everywhere and it was so fun. And instead of spending money, I was making money, you know, and I was just a bachelor. So like, I didn't, I didn't care. It was just like I'd spend as much of it as I wanted or keep as much as I could and you know, this wasn't a lot of money, grant you, uh, grant you, in especially in the perspective of where we are now, uh, like seven yeah. years later. <laughs> As adults. <laughs> yeah. But um, I, I can also say I would not be where I am now. And as you mentioned uh, before, you appreciated how we run it and we try to run it and we still have our our flaws and our shortcomings because... As creative people, it's not an excuse. Yeah. But as creative people, what we fail at the most are is logistics and making sure everything's running smoothly. And um, so that's I would say that's the thing that we're trying to get better at the most all the time is like making Mm. sure everyone has the schedule and we arrive on time and and. What's coming naturally now is the music, and we have people around us like you and Justin and everybody that stretches us. So I'm not worried about our creativity in the future. Now what I spend, what I wake up at 2 a.m., spring awake at 2 a.m. thinking about is like, did we get everybody the schedule? Does everyone know what time they're getting Mm. picked up? And, you know, stuff like that. And you've mentioned it before. You, you, you've told us for a while now. Like, we need some people we trust around us. We need to be able to delegate. And um, mm. I always used to give Nick a hard time when the booking, when we had a booking agent come on, because I was like, "Man, you don't like that job. Just give it up." Yeah. And he always was like, oh, "I can't." I can't. And now, and now I know the stuff that I do that I'm trying to give up to people. I'm like. It is really hard to yeah. share share the load. Yeah. I mean it's hard to it's hard to trust people with things that you care about. You know, mm-hmm. it's I also think that you and I tend to be like the if I want it done right, I'm just gonna do it myself kind of people. I know, like that's that's, <laughs> that's how I am. Like anytime anytime at work or just in general, if someone's like why don't you have uh, so-and-so help you with this? I'm just like, no, nah, it's, it's going to be more work for me to explain it to them. Like, I'd rather just do it, you know, <laughs> which is yeah. like an ego There's thing. Been <laughs> it's, it's not a healthy mindset to have, but I, it's definitely the way that I am. There's been several times in our work that we do together where you've said, I'll just do it. <laughs> I'll, say, I'll send it to you when I'm done. Like, I get that, though. Um, 
And it's not like I'm not there trying to understand, but yeah. Um, for well, you, a lot of that easier. stuff, a lot of that stuff comes in. It's like uh, in the heat, like it needs to be done right now, kind of thing. So I'm like, well, mm-hmm. if that's if that's the case, I'm gonna do it because time is of the essence. If it was like, right, hey, in six months we need this thing, I would be like, well, let me take, let me teach you how to fish instead of giving you the fish, right? Exactly. So it's a, it's a timing thing. Um, yeah. I wanted to talk about yeah, talk back great. about um, the confirmation that you had with like your music director in high school and even just like knowing that you were in the music school. Like I think that is such a powerful thing, but it's kind of scary because a lot of people don't get that confirmation. Like mm. like I didn't until recently think that I could ever be like a professional musician or like actually be this guy that like flies to shows or like flies out to the studio and stuff. And not, not to make it sound like I'm on the caliber of like taking a private jet to a show or anything, but you know, like, (laughs) like doing it, doing it on a, on a really like professional level, I didn't get that sort of confirmation until like probably the last two or three years. Like I know you guys always kind of did like say like dude you're you're good you know that right yeah. but I never be- I never believed you because you we don't were believe that friends. about anything you do though so well I I don't trust I don't trust people that care about me to to give me good advice <laughs> that's the quote right there but I I remember I remember we played a show um, it was that show we played in Washington and our friend uh, now mutual friend but he was your friend first um, Carrie Samsel played bass mm-hmm. and. It was the first time that I had met him, and uh, I don't, I don't know. I still wonder if maybe he just said it to be nice, but <laughs> he told me he was like, "Dude, you could really clean up out in Portland if you if you played out here," mm. and that alone meant so much to me. Just knowing because I know how good of a musician he is, and mm. like the kinds of musicians that he plays with and things. Um, and Justin said something similar to me last time I was in the studio and like, it's kind of a, it's kind of a problem because now I think about that all the time, you know, like before it was kind of like, yeah, I'm going to go play a show this weekend. But now it's like, should I be practicing all week, all the time, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. because I, if I have people telling me that now, what, what if I put all of my effort into it, you know? So I don't know, like the the confirmation thing, like I, as seriously as I've taken music my entire life, I've taken it so much more seriously in the last probably three or four years, which is mm. interesting because I've also had the least amount of time to put into it in that t- span of time. It's scary to me to think about your ability as a drummer if you were able to rehearse all day, you know, or even mm. more frequently than you are now. Um, that's scary. But, you know, that's true. And, you know, as nice of a guy as I consider myself, and I know people think that I am, I don't compliment people unless I mean it because it doesn't do me any good and I know that it doesn't do that other person any good. Um, yeah. If I tell someone that they look really good in an outfit but they actually don't, that just doesn't help them. Mm-hmm. And I don't, I don't need that kind of 
there's other ways that people can know you care about them other than just telling them that they're good at things or whatever. But, but I'm totally with you. Yeah. Do you don't trust people that care about you? I've, I've never heard anyone say that. And I feel that way all the time. Like (laughs) if someone tells me I'm good at something, I'm like, okay, well, you're my friend. So (laughs) yeah, exactly. uh, I'll ask someone who doesn't know me. Um, yeah, but that's, uh, yeah, I mean, you it's the same thing like after shows or whatever. If uh, you're in some place you've never been and people come up and say, you guys were great, we loved it, they buy merch. You, how many times does that happen to me? And I still go, ah, but, uh, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, how much more do I need to hear before that um, that actually sets in? But, yeah, I, um, yeah, Kerry's really great. He is a phenomenal musician. He's a great songwriter at Incredible guitar player, um, but uh, yeah, he wouldn't have said that either if he didn't mean it. And you're right. For people like you and I who are so critical of themselves with everything that they do, and going back to saying that we want to give as much as ourselves as we can to a project, um, it sounds bad, but you almost do need that outward validation. And Mm. um, I'm the kind of guy where when I'm working out consistently, I'm not going to think, I am not going to feel good about where I'm at with uh, my physique and stuff like that until someone else tells me. And I will say, you know, we said don't trust people that care about you. But I will say that when I was running every single day um, for a while there, and then you came and visited me in Nebraska and we stayed and after you left, you're like, hey, man, I didn't tell you while we were there, but I just wanted you to know you look a lot way leaner than when I saw you, you know, a couple months ago. I was like, okay, the dude that does this all the time <laughs> is telling me this like I feel pretty good, even though you're my best friend. But I know yeah. that about you. You wouldn't just tell me that. And, no, um, I wouldn't. That's, that's really important with everything. You, you don't just say good job unless it was a good job. And you know, it, you're already prepared to be a dad. So, uh, just like your, <laughs> your plant dad TikToks, you know, it's like, oh, you yeah, aren't going to, yeah. you aren't going to tell those plants they're doing good until they're actually looking really good. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I have a funny story about the physique thing, actually. Like I'm the same way. And, uh, I mean, I'm, I work out every day. No, you don't. Except for on except for on Sundays, but <laughs> like it, it, it is. It's that's one of those God's things day. again that's like really important to me, and I, I can't just like kind of casually go work out, and it's like really frustrating for me when I don't feel mm-hmm. like I'm getting to the level that I want to be. But um, I mean, my my girlfriend is always telling me like how great I look or whatever. Right. It, it's so weird for me to say out loud, and I, I know what you mean though. It causes a lot of tension because I'm always like, no, just, but look at this guy. And I pull up some like yoked dude who's on like a lethal amount of steroids on Instagram. I'm like, look at this guy though. Like I I could look like this, you know, it's, it's ridiculous. But yesterday, um, I went to happy hour with one of my friends and, um, I was wearing, I've been wearing these like kind of short khaki shorts. They're not actually that Mm -hmm. short, but when I sit down, they like ride up on my thighs and then they don't come back down, you know? Yeah. Um, so I went in. I went in to go to the bathroom. We were out on the patio at this bar, and I went inside to go to the bathroom. And on my way out, uh, one of the the servers, who was a woman, um, 
kind of said something to me and I didn't hear her. So I like turned around and I was like, what, sorry, what? And she was like, um, I just wanted, I'm not trying to sound weird, but your legs, like great job. There you go. And I like, I like looked down. I was like, did I spill something? Like, is she, <laughs> is she messing with me? What, what, what? I was like, she could see how confused I was. And she's like, I mean, you work out, right? And yeah. I was like, yeah. And she's like, you're, you're doing a great job. I just wanted to let you know that. I was like, dude, that's awesome. My legs yeah, are see? like the part of me that I hate the most. Exactly. So like, it was yeah. just one, Every. okay, but one, it was like such a bizarre way for her to go about doing that. that I just was <laughs> she like, tried though. Ha ha, thank, like I said the yeah. verbal equivalent of LOL, thanks, I guess. <laughs> <You know? laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. It's yeah, weird. that's a, a, like a stranger's compliment or like you said, someone outside your circle that gives you that confirmation means a lot. And it just always will because they have yeah. no reason to do it. I mean, I don't know. Maybe she thought you were cute, but uh, it, you know what I'm saying. It, right. I mean, there's guys that do that at the gym too that, you know, um, that will come up and, you know, say that, that you look – the one time I remember one time I was at a gym and this guy came up and said, hey, man, what's up? And I was like, what's up? And he was like, you're busting ass over here. And I was like, yeah, well. I don't know why I'm here if I'm not doing that. Right. And he's like, what do you do? And I think he wanted to get me in on a pyramid scheme. But yeah, one of the things he said was like, oh, you're a musician. You're on the road a lot. You, you're pretty good for being on the road all the time. And I was like, you know what? Shit, I do. <laughs> I was like, man. <laughs> I was like, for sitting in a vehicle for like six hours a day, and yeah. my, it's not like I'm... I can meal prep out here on the road very easily. You know what? If I really wanted right. to, I could. But yeah. it's that kind of thing, you know, and you try not to be high maintenance. You get to a club or a venue, whatever, and you're like, what do you guys want? And you're like, well, beer, I guess, or whiskey. I'm not going to ask you for, uh, you know, a Diet Coke and a, a kale you know, salad. I'm just not going to go. Yeah, I'm not going to go into all that because I got more to worry about and still yeah. more excuses. But just saying, like having that person validate you um, outwardly, uh, you know, and, and it, and it sounds bad cause it kind of sounds like we're getting into the thing of like, I'm going to post a selfie on Instagram and see how many people like it. And I'm going to check it every yeah. hour, but that, that's not what we're saying. This is kind of a different thing. Like a, a right. an affirmation or reaffirmation that what you're doing is paying off in some way. Well, and also right? specific to things that you are, you care about. Right. And that you're you know, working like, on every day. I really could care less about if I just like post selfies to Instagram and they get yeah, a lot of likes. Like, like, yeah, them, there's right. like there's like a little bit. I'm not gonna pretend like I don't get a bit of a dopamine rush from that. But <laughs> at the end of the day, like the the affirmation or the confirmation that the things that are really important to me that I'm spending a lot of energy on, and frankly, a lot of energy kind of like in the shadows or like behind closed doors. Like I. I talk about it a lot on this podcast, but outside of that, I really don't talk to a lot of people about like how mm -hmm. I practice, carve out time to practice drums or like broadcast that I'm on these podcasts or whatever, because um, like I said, people kind of just don't get it. And mm -hmm. I, it's hard to have those conversations. So um, when people come see a show or they listen to the podcast or, you know, someone compliments you, uh, like every time my girlfriend compliments me on 
my physique or, or whatever, like Mm -hmm. it's not that it doesn't mean anything to me. Like I still appreciate it, you know, because she knows how hard I work and how important that is to me as well. So, um, I feel like those all things, those things are all very different than just like fishing for confirmation or fishing for affirmation, um, Mm -hmm. in every kind of turn in your life. And we should also say that like, if you are the kind of per like, if I played that show in Washington and I said to Carrie, so like, what did you think of my playing, man? Like, am I good? Yeah. <laughs> it would have, you know, like if you changed the whole thing, <laughs> if you're outwardly like fishing for that kind of stuff, it's kind of, uh, right. I don't know. I don't know if you really care about the thing to begin with anyway. Yeah. I always, whenever I get up and run before the sun comes up or as it's coming up, I always get a little bit of pride because I tell myself no one even knows I'm out here. No one is going to know yeah. I am. No one cares. Right. But the results of it might be noticed or, you know, even as far as working out and running and all that goes for health reasons, you know, longevity of life, like the long-term effects of these things that people don't see are going to return to me in some mm-hmm. way. So, um, yeah, I feel like we jumped around like three topics during this thing, but we... It's all right, dude. It all made sense to me. <laughs> that's, the na- that's the nature of the show, right? <laughs> we can talk about whatever we want, all within the similar vein of the one thing, you know? Flawless. In case anyone wanted to know how we came up with the title <laughs> of our podcast, that, that was the conversation we had. All right. Anyway, guys, uh, thanks for tuning in to another episode of Similar Vein Podcast. Be sure to comment, rate, and subscribe if you haven't already, and hit us up on Instagram at Similar Vein Podcast. And until next time, we'll see you all later. See you guys.